M.L. Elric. You've achieved great success in business, athletics, and personal relationships, and have been an inspiration to many people. Would you recommend to your numerous admirers who want to reach their highest potential? The first thing you need to know about success is that it doesn't just come to you. Most people associate success with money and power, but really, it's a state of mind. The only limit is that there are no limits. All my life, I have dared to go past what is possible to the impossible. Actually, past that, to the place where the possible and the impossible meet to become the possible. You ask in Iraq, the truth is out of my face. It's gone. What are, you, what are you doing? What are you doing? That is not painful by them. That is painful by the people of Detroit. You are qualified, Emil. I'm not qualified for this job. Let me tell you something. You want to go right now? Okay. You want to go right now? Hey, kids. It is your old pal, ML Elric, feeling very old after spending so many hours in the sun during the Motor City makeover this weekend. But we are prepared to take you past the possible as we dream the impossible dream with Mark Fellhauer and Sean Windsor. Is this a podcast or is this a QVC propaganda <laughs> sketch for your uh, campaign? I'm just curious. Uh, I, I, when did, I, and when did we make the switch and why did I get the memo? Is that... Is that uh, Oh, are, yeah. you, are you questioning my, my product placement, uh, Sean? Is that, uh, it was just right off the bat, that, you know. Not only that, I noticed. he stands up with a giant ML Elric 40 tree. Exactly, Mark. Sure and, and you and I weren't in the intro, and that's fine. We don't need to be in it. Uh, you do, but I don't. I don't want to be in it. But I just wondered if there was some kind of internal corporate decision made this past week. This is this is more of a, uh, a cooperative, tenor, which I'm sure tone. you're familiar with as an Ann Arbor resident, um, where we don't have that corporate structure. And I'm I'm not supposed to be talking about campaign strategy, uh, but but since we're all friends, in this jug, yeah, booze is a solution that I've come up with, uh, and if elected, I will use to cure every disease. Cool. Okay. So yeah, I'll vote for you then. So, Thank you for. Uh... You know, some work, and uh, I don't really mean to hold. I'm still. I would give it to everybody now, but we're still testing it. It's just emergency approval. Thank you for defiling uh, Twitter with that picture of your feet over oh. the weekend. That was disgusting. Yeah, what, what's wrong with what my size? Feet? Are those shoes, by the way? Uh, they're twenties. It was disgusting, and it's true, by the way. Okay, fine, but what the size, of the, what of size of the will haunt my dreams forever? They uh they are ten and a half, but I will tell you, you know the guy. They looked a little more elongated than trick photography. Then yeah, exactly. Your your toes were ten and a half. How about that? I I I can pick up a a grape. I mean, I can pick up an orange with my feet. I I have uh I have very narrow feet. It looked like the Biden Carter picture. The other word, uh, (laughs) the other word for for narrow is is elegant. Well, that's a good one. I like that. And if you're wondering what what these guys are talking about, and you are kind of freaky like that, you can go to my Twitter feed at Elric Elric my or M L E L R I C K on Facebook, where you may be watching this very episode. If you're not watching, but you're listening to our whole audio episode, we appreciate you stay until the bitter end because this he has a foot finish. But uh, but yeah, so no, I I made the mistake of wearing shorts while we were mowing horrible uh horribly ignored lots and uh clearing brush that was um uh, very brambly and so uh good word so i was uh, i don't have mark's calves but i was still proud (laughs) 
So, but the but the you hear you hear Sean's breath catch from me. He's like, I know Mark's cat. I know I'm wearing shorts today too. Huh? But the oh, the the wash out of the the side of the mower was getting your legs. I, uh, there was some there was I some throwback. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's after we raked little mini these cuts, yards. That kind of thing. Well, yeah. Well, we raked these yards, and I used like a heavy iron rake because we're you're finding bottles, bricks, carpeting, clothing, shoes, big chunks of wood that somebody had cut down like 20 years ago. Last time someone had tended to it, and even when you clear that out, it still ends up throwing a hell of a spray of all sorts of debris. And and maybe I should just uh, remind folks who didn't catch last week's show, which is a mistake because it was a great visit from Kevin Dietz. But uh, my campaign uh, put together a team. We are hoping to get 50 volunteers. We thought we'd get more than 60. We ended up with more than 70 volunteers who went to more than a dozen spots in Detroit to help clean up neighborhoods, homes, parks, whatever anybody said they needed help with. We identified these places ourselves. We didn't really work with the city that much. The city gave us three sites, which we were happy to get and to go help. We brought our own supplies. We brought our own muscle. And uh, and we really gussied things up. So what did was, you find? Did you find fun. anything uh, of interest? That's a good question. Um, anything of value? Anything disgusting? Yeah, no, I don't think there were any artifacts. But yeah, I mean, disgusting. You know, that's a that's a long list right there. <laughs> like what? The manifest would be. Well, I mean, just stuff like you know whose underwear are these? Condoms. You know, and like plastic underwear. So must have been like from a baby or from a really big ugly doll. Um, various shoes and bits of clothing. You know, the nastiest thing you find is carpeting because carpeting is porous. So that when it gets oh. rained on, the dirt comes up through the fibers and then the grass grows up through. So when you try and pull it, you know, it's like, it's like trying to, it's like trying to, uh, take George Blaha's, you know, uh, uh hood off and, uh, polish up the, uh, we're not going to talk about George that way here. What? I love George Blaha. He's got an awning. That remind that story reminds okay, me. Okay. Forget George Blaha. Um, uh, you know what? Bob Smith, the senior senator from New Hampshire in the 1990s. Is that better? Okay. What were we going to say, Mark, before you were so rudely interrupted? That story just reminds me. So Brian uh, Dorgan, North Carolina are senator. These people, I don't understand what you're talking about. It's anymore. Byron, not what? Brian. Byron Dorgan. Oh, um, terrible! Our, come over. Our school used to have to do stadium cleanup at Michigan Stadium every Sunday after the games. That was a big charity thing we did. And one year we, for some reason, did the bathrooms. And the horrific things we would find there was quite a My brother and I still talk about it this day. That, um, the worst long uh, pair of underwear left behind that I've ever seen covered in feces. Long johns? Yeah. And of course, you know, we're high school students. We're like, oh, <laughs> laughing at it and grows my mom. Grow up! And just takes a rake and throws in the trash. Well, this would probably be a bad time That's to what do, you the, do the butchery yeah. read then. Why? Why? After mentioning horrible, disgusting things. Oh, grow up. That's what my mom would say. Okay, well, we'll talk about the butchery later because they're great and they're not disgusting. Also, would find random turds, too, which is kind of a weird thing to find in a bathroom. Okay, bad time to bring up You think so? (laughs) Why why would it not go in the toilet, Sean? I don't know. Why doesn't pee go in the toilet? Well, that's a little different. Sword fights. Is that why? (laughs) Just, I think kids. Or just old age. It did. You know, it's the old ghost. How about losing pressure? So instead of a stream, it's more of a mist. Gross. This would be, this and then he can't control it at all. The this point, would be a bad time to mention any other sponsor. The point being, the things you would find in a stadium the day after a game were quite surprising as well, aside from all the you know bathroom-related stuff. So you think loss of oh, pressure is gross and not actually tragic? Um, not well, tragic. I That's still want, a little much. Yeah, maybe it's because I was equating it to you. <laughs> I didn't want to think about you. Okay. <laughs> 
Thank you for well, I considering think, my <laughs> You dilemma. brought it up. I think restrooms in a place where a lot of people may be inebriated tend oh, not awful. to be uh, the finest uh, uh, sanitary sites. But it wasn't just the, the bathrooms, too. You'd find weird stuff in the stands. Yeah, okay. Like um, like someone who forgot to block the 11th guy on a punt. That page of the playbook, was that laying around the stands? That's a really, uh, really <laughs> great way to wedge that one in. What is that? It made no sense. <sighs> You, You'll always have that, right? They, had not, they oh, didn't yeah, have any trouble with the snap. Was that was that happen? That didn't happen. You'll always have that. Didn't happen. That that poor that poor student with the with the glasses oh, and the horrified look or the stunned oh, yeah. look. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, he, that guy is the modern equivalent of the trombone player for the Stanford band. Oh you know, yeah, the guy who yeah. got trucked the in the uh, in the in the uh, hook and lateral that won that big game. Yeah, I I, I understand that that they will try and reach out to that guy on anniversaries. He's just like, he's like the new Steve Bartman. He's like, yeah. or the old Steve, Bartman. he's like, I don't want to talk to anybody about it. Just forget about it. The fact that Steve Bartman has remained underground this long is utterly amazing in this day and age. Didn't he come out for the world series? I thought they reached out to him to make him want to like do it. Grand Marshal. Oh, really? No, he didn't want to do anything. He might've done something there, but he didn't want to do it. Did he just well, not hear the phone ringing with those uh, Walkman headphones on? <laughs> I mean, Phil Buckner finally, you know, the, the Boston Red Phil, Sox. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. yeah. First baseman who um, let the ball go under his legs, right? Yeah, Mookie Wilson, Mookie Wilson, Ray Knight, yep. The Mets, Red Sox, World Series. He finally came back to Boston, and yeah, but he would get mad eventually because it was the joke. You know, you can take a certain amount of ribbing, but but you know, he was a Hall of Famer. That I think that cost him the Hall of Fame. He was an outstanding. Yeah, he was a good player. player. I remember when he played third base for the for the uh, for the Dodgers before his knees went to hell. He he could rake. He was great. But he also And for the Cubs, he was a killer for the Cubs. Correct me if I'm wrong. That was game six anyway. Yeah, there was plenty of game seven. That it was. was the other thing. It was bullshit. Boston blew he, that. He they could have rallied. Yeah, he was but when he came back, I don't remember. It's been within the last what, ten years? Maybe yeah. maybe mm-hmm. maybe a little now. longer to go. But uh his his reaction, the way that that all that year all those years of uh sort of not shame, but just Public humiliation, right? All, all the wrath he felt hey, from that me, region. You suck. The way it, con- his body was convulsing when he was, uh, oh, yeah. getting cheered by that crowd. That was something else. Don't yeah, let the I, door I, go through your legs on the way out, Buckner. So maybe Steve Steve Bartman will have a chance to do that. He doesn't point. want to though. Maybe he won't. Well, the other thing is Bartman. They still could have won that game. You know, there's no reason. Well, they that's should've. that's they never should have lost that series. That's the point it. with Buckner as well. Yeah, there's always going to be a fall guy. When Leon Durham, people forget in the in '84, oh. I think he made a bad play at first he base did. to cost the Cubs a chance to advance to the first match. Didn't they matchup? lose to Steve Harvey's forearms? God, I can't believe how we're dating ourselves with this. <laughs> people Steve love Garvey. The, Steve Garvey, sorry, Steve Harvey's Sean, the people love the coast. Of, Steve Garvey, um, coast, before he was host. a creepy I'm just going to go now. Was yeah. uh, a proud Spartan and a uh, student teacher at Girls Point South High School, my alma mater. Garvey was? He was, yeah. Also a, a famous ladies' man. That's what I mean, before he became a, a, a relentless creep <laughs> or, or before it was well known. So that's the polite way of saying <laughs> ladies' man. Yeah. Yeah. That swordsman. Well, there's a difference. Was he a, was he a, a ladies' man or was he a, a, an assaulter? There's a huge difference. I think he was just a philanderer. Or yes, he was. He was. Uh, okay, so he's a. Multiple, there's a big difference between a philanderer and a sexual assaulter. Can right. we agree on that? Right. Oh yeah. Uh, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's. Uh, but are you suggesting that people don't like mid 1980s baseball talk? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, who is our audience? Who's our listener? <laughs> no one. No, I don't, yeah, who is that guy? <laughs> we've uh, we've uh, gone from the soul of Detroit to no filter sports to no damn listeners at all, which is which is too bad. Because um, because 
we're addressing uh, some very uh, cool questions that we got from listeners some time ago that we just haven't had a chance to get to because we've been jam-packed with some great guests yeah. with uh, some, great. some amazing conversations that, that if you missed them, you should, you should check up on them. One of those questions that we got that we have been waiting to answer because it's kind of an evergreen. It's just, it's one of those subjects that uh, is always good to talk about. Came from listener Kendall, or perhaps viewer Kendall, who said, consider revisiting a few of your own and even colleagues' old stories that you were convinced would make waves, but never did. Oh, and, wow. And um, the list of that is is very, very long. But before we get to that, I need to tell you about somebody who's making all of this possible, even though at this moment they're probably regretting the wisdom of that decision. And that's Roy O'Brien Ford, one of the best Ford dealers around, award-winning Ford dealership. They are at the corner of Nine Mile and Mac in St. Clair Shores. For 75 years, they have been giving people good deals on new cars, on used cars. You go there, you see what they got. You like the Mustang. You like the F-150. I can't wait till they get that electric one, that lightning, lightning one sounds yeah. Pretty cool. Even Joe Biden was uh, was tooling around. No, uh, I guess they said when he got out of it, the only problem was he had left the turn signal on. Otherwise, it was in pristine. Because he's, I thought Matt was off today. Because he's he's old. Um, and uh, actually, Joe Biden was one of the funniest punchlines that Matt's ever had. I thought Matt has some very good material. By the way, we're just refining it, so he'll be back next week. Once he's off academic probation. But if you go to Royal O'Brien, they've got new cars, used cars. They'll service your car. They'll sell you a set of tires. You get a rebate on those tires. And on a lot of the work, you'll find a great deal. If you want to know more, go to RoyO'Brien.com, R-O-Y-O-B-R-I-E-N.com. Jesse will be happy to help you. Uh, you can check out Fast Track, which helps you pick out your vehicle and your options. You can figure out whether you want to lease a vehicle, finance it, pay cash, figure out what your trade-in is worth. And if you go through all that, you can even schedule delivery of your car. So uh, check out RoyOBrien.com or give them a call at 888-566-5851. I'm a customer. I'm a happy customer. They sold my mom a car. She hasn't complained about it. There aren't many things she doesn't complain about. So let me tell you, Royal. Oh, oh I may be in trouble now. Uh, Roy O'Brien Ford is where you want to go for your next ride. I want to get in that thing and just drive it right away. Do you mind? <laughs> That's, that's good advice uh, from uh, an unlikely source. Um, so thinking about uh, good deals before we get back to these old stories, we're running out of time for people to order their commemorative Soul of Detroit bike, the handmade in Detroit, sweet as hell ride that comes not only with uh, our gratitude, but with our special branding. It's very cool looking. You can find it at drewandmikestore.com. But you can either have it delivered by uh, one of the crew, which probably means me, uh, and, and I'll have to try <laughs> and figure out. Why do you out. say that? Because well, you, you're producing every show, including uh, the Par Paul Harvey retrospective uh, featuring Mort Krim before he was banned, <laughs> and, uh, and Sean, just because you know it's tough to get 127 hours sleep a week when you got to work <laughs> in a one-hour podcast. Good point. So oh, as he okay. scrolls on his phone. Good point. No, I was just waiting for you. Um, <laughs> anyways, you can order one. Take a look at it first. Order one at drewandmikestore.com. Uh, I'll be happy to deliver it. Or you can get a tour of the bike factory. You can see where it was made. You can speak to the fabricators. These guys are the biggest bike frame shop makers 
in the United States. They are making more bikes on these shores than just about anybody. Maybe they are making more than anybody. If you want to see them, too, they have DetroitBikes.com. But yeah. um, ours is that Drew Mike store, like you said. Yeah, com. so check them out. Uh, great stuff. Um, so, you know, I, when I look at back at some of the stories that, that I've been involved in that just didn't take off, probably some of the biggest ones, believe it or not, involved Kwame Kilpatrick. What? Because, uh, because we did a lot of stories about financial impropriety that didn't generate any response, even when, when there were, thank you. It's a little late. Sorry. Even yeah. when, uh, a little delayed. Officials in other jurisdictions were doing the same things and were being driven from office. And there was a point where I was speaking to a Fed about that and saying, you know, do you guys even care? I mean, what are you, what are you guys doing? Are you not paying attention? And, and, uh, and one of the responses I got was, well, why would we do that when that might be one of the most insignificant charges or something to that effect? I'm oh. thinking, oh, okay. Well, that's kind of a tease. What, what, what was it, though? Did it ever come to light? Well, I mean, you know, several years after that, all the indictments came for the public corruption, the racketeering and everything. You. But I was talking about, you know, you know, we got this guy on using city's petty cash. We got him on credit cards. We got all the stuff out there. You know, at the same time, Sharp James, who was the mayor in New Jersey, had been taken down um, by the feds for profligate use of the city's credit card. And the total amount that he had spent that, that was inappropriate was less than, than, than our mayor had. So we're like, you guys all work for the same Uncle Sam, right? What's going on here? But um, And people forget that Sharp James was the mayor in Newark because, you know, people just aren't as up on Newark history as they should be. Plus, he's got the coolest name. He, it was a pretty cool name. Um, although the, the mayor of Flint had a pretty cool name. Uh, Sean, you did some stories on him. He, Woodrow Stanley. That was kind of oh, a yeah, cool yeah. name. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And who was the guy that ran after him who had, had run a chop shop in the 60s? Um, I remember <laughs> going up and doing a profile on him. I can't think of his name, though. Yeah, he was kind of an unrepentant um, rogue type. Yeah, wore a pinky ring, stubbed his cigarettes out in the leftover chicken salad. Yeah, cool. Kind of very yeah. colorful character. But Sharp James was replaced by Cory Booker, who now uh, is a senator and, uh, and um, Hollywood first while president boyfriend. candidate. So And Hollywood boyfriend. Of who? Um, what's her name? Oh, of course. Now I can't remember her name. Very famous actress. No one's going to help me out. All right. I don't know. Sophia Sorry. Loren. I'll look it up. <laughs> Claudia. I'll, look it up, but I'll go back over the rundown. No, again. it's what I'm going to say. If this is all we've got. Hang on. If there was only a way to find it's out. It's like the run over. I just got backed over and run over and backed over and run over again. So anyways, that, that was a story that really didn't, didn't really take off. But, but there were two other stories that were kind of similar that always, Rosario Dawson. Rosario. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, you know, I knew cool. that, too. Yeah. I knew that, too. Um, uh, but there were two very famous city hall figures who were involved in uh, domestic violence incidents. One was a city councilman named Clyde Cleveland who uh, that guy? had struck his wife with a, a gun or was accused of doing so and ended up getting criminally charged and entered a deal. And then there was a, a mayoral um, spokesman under Kilpatrick named Matt Allen who had kind oh, of yeah. gone off uh, the rails and was ranting and raving and, uh, and, and uh, you know, it didn't go so well for him. What, what, what stunned me about those stories was that, I mean, they were reported on, but I, I often thought in other cities, like in a New York for sure, you would have had domestic violence 
groups. You would have had women's rights groups. You would have had all kinds of groups marching on City Hall to say, I do not want our tax dollars going to someone who abuses people. And it seems sometimes that here in Detroit, we have a higher tolerance for this sort of, uh, this sort of impropriety than other places. And why, why do you say yeah. that about that? Well, yeah. because, because the, the protests didn't, didn't, uh, emerge. These guys pleaded guilty. I to, mean, I, I don't, all due respect, my man, think about, uh, not to change the subject to the NFL, but think all about due respect. Ray, and here comes none. Think of No, 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 seriously. Think about Ray Rice for a second. Sure. So did I like what you care said. About, did anybody care about that until they saw the video? In other words, that was written, and, and you were writing what you were writing. Yeah. The Kilpatrick stuff, in some ways, didn't take off until sex was involved. I mean, it's just it's playing to certain impulses of human nature, right? I don't know that it's anything unique well, to do. I don't think to that's I mean, why do some stories take off and, and, and others don't, or why does it take well, a while? Thank you for joining the discussion. No, but that's her, that's her question. I'm just trying to yeah, get I know, around I asked to that it question. Five minutes ago. I gave you six, seven minutes. Now let's get to the question. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm just gonna cure some diseases right now. That, excuse me. Excuse me. Whoa, 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 whoa! I overstepped here. It's not. No. It's not for me to give you six, seven minutes. It's for you to humbly. The most anybody ever got out of him. Yeah. It's, it's for you to you know maybe let me speak once in a while. I had a couple of complaints from some people that I know that I sat back too long, didn't say anything during the uh, interview sections of the. Well, two of those are the show. In this room with you. You know, and I've I've been hearing that from people lately. You're Why right, do you go right. too quiet? So I'm my answer, well, the, of course, the, is I'm going to go more way, quiet. The best way to silence your critics is to start talking because then they'll say, like, God, I wish you'd shut up. No, I don't need to say <laughs> anything. Care what you wish for. <laughs> no, but seriously, listeners. do you – I know that – okay. Do you really think it's something unique to the character of Detroit? And no. If, and I, if so, why? No, like, but no, but what I'm – I don't know what the answer to this is, but I mean around that same time, before there was a lot of cell phone video – you would have public officials who would mistreat women or different groups and there would be protests and people would come forward and they would say, this is, they, they use this to march as an opportunity to say, we're not going to stand for this. And, and we, that didn't emerge in either of these cases, which I've never been able to understand. And I remember at the time Clyde Cleveland got in trouble speaking to somebody from a domestic violence shelter and just saying, you know, what, what do you think about this? And like, we just don't really want to get involved. I don't know why. I, well, I don't. I don't know if it's because you have that much power. No, no, it's not that at all. I, I wonder if if part of it is because we have so many issues we're dealing with here. Some 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 bread and butter issues, particularly in those times when we were in the Great Recession. That um, well, I guess it was just before the Great Recession, but we we were struggling in a, in the early two thousands too. That. Um, that if you're worried about paying your bills and if you're worried about whether you're going to lose your job or your house, that you don't have the time to, to embrace some of these social justice issues. And I, I do think that while George Floyd motivated a lot of people and, and that injustice got people moving, I think one reason why the movement was so sustained and so robust was because people were – were uh, not working, yeah. and so they they couldn't go to concerts, they couldn't go to ball games, and so it it became one of those things where it was always important to people that we speak out against injustice, 
but there were no distractions. And I think people do find excuses not to do the right thing where it's like, oh, I'd really like to go out there and, and help uh, clean up that yard. Or I'd really like to volunteer at my kid's school, but I, I got to finish this project at work. I'm just so damn tired or I need to get the, the, the blade on the lawnmower sharpened or something. And I think we find excuses not to do these things. And I think one of the, you know, if we're going to look at for silver linings in a pandemic, it's that people were for the first time perhaps in their life and for a long time undistracted. And they could say, what really matters if I didn't have to worry about some of the more mundane details of my life, like going to work, getting the car, the oil change. Who the hell changed their oil last year? Who the hell drove 3,000 miles anywhere? I mean. So what was the Matt Allen story that uh, didn't uh, didn't get air or print? Well, I mean, it wasn't that the story wasn't covered because I I certainly covered it, but yeah. but th- that there was no outrage. I mean, here was someone who who uh, uh, you know tried to pull rank on police, mm-hmm. who made some things that may have been racially insensitive, who uh, you know uh, was accused of abusing his wife, and uh, the mayor ultimately did remove him as a spokesman, but then made him a. Um, you know, head of the cable commission or something like that. I, I mean, even today, if there's no outrage, you tend to see people who have gotten in trouble sort of move to uh, a less public profile, move to another position. And and those are just stories that I thought if we were in New York or Washington, there would have been a huge protest. There would have been a lot of people screaming about those things. So and what, they just what, elicited What year no are we response. talking about, too? What year is this? Early 2000s, mid-2000s. Is it, um, is it because social media is so prevalent now that everything seems to be... I mean, I think the American uh, pastime right people, now is outrage. You, I mean, but you had people marching and, and, and calling for resignations, you know, in, in the, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, before we even had cell phones. So... so um, so those are those are stories that just didn't go anywhere. That but why would a story like that me. be bigger in New York or DC than it would be here? Like, what does it say about here? I I don't know. I mean, you know, Kendall's question is, you know, what stories you do that yeah. you were convinced would make waves or never did? Those are stories I was convinced that made waves that never did, and I don't know why. And I, I asked the question, and the best I've come up with as I ponder this is that uh, for the most part, people in Detroit have got so many issues that are more pressing, you know, the abandoned house next door, the, mm-hmm. uh, the inability to have efficient public transportation. Now our buses are getting better, but you know, 15 years ago, most of those buses were falling apart. I, I think every driver or maintenance worker who touched them deserved some sort of medal of valor for taking their lives into their hands, let alone the riders. Um, and I just think that, I think that as, Part of the reason why some things become a big deal is because of when they happen and what the circumstances are. You know, if oh, uh, and what else is going on in the news? Yeah, too. exactly. You can get buried, right? So I'm I always think, amazed now at how quick the cycle turns around. You know, we forget about things once a weekend hits and the next week comes up. We forget about certain stories or what the big issue was, unless the the main focus. I'll use Whitmer as the example. I mean, she's really made the whole jet story keep going and going and going by not not coming out fully right in the beginning, but most other stories in one ear out the other, people forget about it. Well, the governor of Virginia, you know, with the Ralph black face, he was, he was getting roasted and he just kind of, he just kind of, and, and the lieutenant governor who was accused of assault, they both kind of let it play out. And Cuomo 
who we'll be talking about later in the show uh, in New York, he seems to have ridden out the storm. Now, maybe this investigation is going to end up blowing him up. But, you know, sometimes these things happen and someone is forced to resign right away. And other times they kind of find a way to to gut it out. And I've never been able to figure out what the what the arithmetic is there. You know, what kind of things happen where you feel like, oh, if I can just keep my head down for a month. <laughs> well, and then other things, people co- like like Al Franken, people came to Al Franken and said, Al, you got to go. And he's like, well, let's wait till the ethics committee has their investigation. Like, Al, you got to go. And he's like, yeah. well, I didn't even touch her. I just, and then Al, you got to go. And Al's gone. Yeah, and what Al Franken was accused of was nothing compared to what Cuomo was being accused of. Exactly. If he would have held firm, he probably still have a job. Well, it's kind of, you know, Trump has the, the genius of, you know, all this outrage about something, one thing he would say, and then there'd be something else. And they're all, you forget about all of them because there's always something new around the corner. So you either don't think about it and dismiss it and the story disappears or you create something else, out, something else that people are going to be outraged about. Him getting elected after the, the, the tape was the tape surface, right? The sure. NBC tape of uh the grabbing him by the hoo-ha the right? pussy i'll say it for you okay go ahead yeah um and what he said and that was not that far uh from the election itself right so oh, the fact a, that he had a debate coming up yeah right but does it feel like that was a turning point in some way in our in no. our public life that he nobody had ever survived anything like that before no he's he's an anomaly Oh, I, th- I think more and more people are going to survive. Yeah, I, I think that's right. In the same way that people were after Obama, uh, Clinton for, you know, did he inhale? And then we know George Bush was partying and doing coke. And, and Obama himself said, yeah, I partied and did cocaine. And people are like, yeah, whatever, man. We're g-. I mean, I do think there's sort of a there's sort of a, a lessening of outrage once the first person's kind of been destroyed. I mean, Douglas Ginsburg didn't get on the Supreme Court because he might have he might have passed a joint to some students who were over twenty three. Sure. Brett Kavanaugh's you know doing whatever the hell he's doing. Everybody's like, get in there, brother. Yeah, but that isn't that that's society changing. That's right, my point, but I mean, though. Right? Yeah. Somebody kind of you know Gary Hart was was forced to drop yeah. out of the presidential race because he had his picture taken on a boat with a woman whose house he left. Well, monkey business, you know. I mean, and then later on, Bill Clinton has some some lounge singer who says, "Yeah, we did it," and he becomes president. You know, I mean, that's just eight years difference, and it's it's okay. So you you had another big one though recently. I think you were a little surprised that Gabe Leland, before he resigned, wasn't removed. And you th- didn't you think that would have been a bigger story? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I, I did too. I, that was I was kind of surprised that nobody called for him to really stuff. Aside from you, but nobody really called for a city council to boot him. Yeah, before the public corruption. There was the voting for contracts that benefited his girlfriend at the Times company. Yeah. Nobody said the ethics board didn't say anything about it. Uh, you know, his colleagues didn't say anything about it. I don't think the auditor general, the inspector general, or the uh, ombudsman said anything about it. And then when the corruption comes out and the evidence of the corruption comes, nobody says anything about that. And that's, that's all well and good. I mean, actually, it's not. It's all rotten and terrible. It's one of the reasons I'm running for city council. But I don't remember there being much of an outcry from his own district. Now, there was a movement to have him recalled, so there were some people who rose up. But um, I think the situation with um, with Gabe Leland and, like, Gaspar Fiore's daughter, that, that's who it was, right? Yep. I think it really goes – I think a lot of people just figure, oh, yeah, that stuff happens all the time. Pl- plus and it's, it's And money. it's hard to wrap your head around yeah, it's it. Money. Yeah, it's money. It's not something – the only way to me – well, not the only way. If – it's interesting with money. If he were stealing from kids 
or from some place that was helping kids or whatever, then it would have resonated, sure. right? But if it's but government. if he's just sort of taking, sort of geeking the not geeking, but gigging the system, right? Which is what he was doing for but, his own benefit. You're right, Mark. People assume you do that, and it's hard. It's an abstraction. What it's part, hard to put a face to that. What part of the Kwame Kilpatrick story gets the most attention? The sex tax. Sex tax. I thought Jim Schaefer winning the Pulitzer Prize. That's only because you bring it up all the time. Oh, well, Jim's a good reporter. Well, well you know what but, I mean? But, People but, don't but talk about, about the this. bid rigging as much. That's, you know, it's well, a little but, hard to digest. But some of that's because... Regardless, the, what a great writer you are. The Kilpat, well, Jim, you know, he, he ran the spell check. But the <laughs> the uh, the um, uh, apologists want to make it all about sex. But but one of the things, and and I think this this issue of evolution, the Detroit City Charter was completely changed and replaced after Kilpatrick left office. And one of the reasons they did that is because they wanted to increase their ability to remove. They want to increase City Council's ability to remove bad actors from office. They could not get Kilpatrick out. They had to ask Governor Granholm to remove him because it wasn't clear whether city council had the ability to eject a bad elected official. And so that power was then invested in city council and their very, very first chance to take somebody out, which isn't that long after the charter was ratified, nobody does anything. Mm. I mean, that's what's staggering. And, and, you know, other stories that I thought might create a buzz was state Supreme court, justice, Brian Zara, who wasn't really going to work and would have a... Uh, My God, I don't even remember that story. When was that? As soon as I was at Fox 2, he was spending a lot of time anywhere but uh, but uh, the Supreme Court. You know, there were no... You know, because Supreme Court justices in this state are partisan. There's Democrats and there's Republicans. And even Democrats weren't saying anything. In fact, when uh, when we got invited to talk to, well, I mean, I asked for the interview, but they, they graciously accepted it, to go speak to the Republican Chief Justice of the State Supreme Court. Um, when we got there, we expected to, to speak to uh, the Chief Justice. Well, he had two other justices with him, both of whom were Democrats, and they were working as hard to cover for their colleague as anybody else. And I was surprised that this didn't become more of a partisan issue because we have seen Supreme court justices get very races, get very nasty uh, along partisan lines because they are appointed by the parties. And so they do have some strength within their respective parties. And, um, and that was something where I thought, boy, we're sure going to hear about this in the next election cycle. Nothing. Hmm. I mean, I, I didn't expect the public to rise up and say, Oh, we got a, we got a justice who may not be going to work. I, you know, storm the barricades, but I thought political operatives, I mean, they made uh, the Democrats, you know, basically made a clown out of one of the Republican um, justices that they caught kind of catching a nap. And he may or may not have been unconscious or not at the time. But So why do you think that is? You think it's because the other justices had his back, which I would fully expect them to for a situation like that, because that tribe's probably stronger than their political tribe. No, I, I think there's I think there's some of that, but I also think that maybe they thought they couldn't shake them loose. So why bother? But, but, you know, these political operatives, they make their money by picking causes and, and by creating a ballyhoo. So, so that's just another story that we did where I, I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. I thought maybe the judicial tenure commission would get involved because the judicial canons say anything you do that even brings the appearance of, uh, of shame or, or lowering the stature of uh, the legal profession, is cause a uh, potential cause for discipline, you know, nothing. Now, 
in that case, I think the Judicial Tenure Commission answers to the Supreme Court. So that may be one of the reasons. But, um, but you know, these are the kind of stories that, that depending on circumstances and depending where you are and what else is going on, you know, people will be, be out there with torches and pitchforks and we just got crickets. Yeah. It really depends on the, how it resonates emotionally. It really does get back to that, right? I, mean, I, I hate to go back to the NFL again, but think about when Kareem Hunt was let go by the running no back for the. You hate to go back to the NFL again. <laughs> oh my goodness! The ahead, running sorry. back for the Kansas City Chiefs, he got let go. A video surfaced of him uh, dra- dragging or or not punching yeah. really, but dragging, dragging, shoving a woman in a hotel, trying uh, to take her phone to yeah, a hallway. That surfaced. The Chiefs uh, let him go. The Cleveland Browns sign him, right? Give him another chance. Yeah. But Colin Kaepernick couldn't get a job, right? So because of what he did. Uh, to some uh, folks in this country, um, resonated much more. Um, it is weird. It, it, yeah, right. How do you predict that? I mean, we, you were in well, this business a long time, Mike, and you struggle with this all the time. What, what are people going to read? What are people going to care about? It's really, really hard to know. And you, you, how old are you? You, you. What do you think the answer 20, is? That? 24. 60, oh, 62, 63? <laughs> Let's split the difference. 25. So you're a little younger than I am, but still, it's, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, apparently we're living differently because those years were, you're living some dog years over there, dude. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, sometimes I write a column and I think people will read it and, or buy, buy these days, you know, okay. buy, be willing to pay for a subscription to read it. Give me an example. Like what, what have so you So Sean, what are some yeah. of the columns you thought that would uh, make waves, but never did? Well, you, I'm asking is on it behalf make of waves or just be interested or just, or just want to read it. Right. Your I mean, being interested. I gave up on that a while. Yeah, right. I mean, let's my, talk about your expectations. Yeah, so mine, mine are, that's part, that's the problem here. I'm never interesting. We and not, I'm a terrible not, writer. Not and, off. um, I don't know. Sometimes you, you know, Mike Rosenberg. Jeez, why don't you go cry about it? Exactly. Mike Rosenberg used to write a column, sports column for the Free Press, and now writes for Sports Illustrated. We talk about this frequently. Um, Twenty years ago, you wrote what you wrote. It went into the paper, and you, you know, maybe you got an attaboy for an editor or not. Who knows? And that was about it. Maybe occasionally you might get a letter, a handwritten letter from a reader, but you really didn't have any feedback. There was no way to to study what it was doing, right? There were no instant, instant metrics these days at subscriptions, but you moved on. And, uh, and the, the way we do things now, you think about what you're writing, right? I mean, obviously you think about the headline a lot too. The headline's critical. But don't people come up to you? I mean, because the difference between, you know, for folks who aren't in the news business, a reporter has a name on a top of a story with no picture, but a columnist has their name and their photo. I mean, people must see you at sporting events, must see you, Stand in line for milk duds and uh, <laughs> and uh, and tofuti uh, and um, and carefully cured salty snacks. I mean, I don't know if you pull me up online. I don't even know. If maybe there's a tiny little photo, but it's not. Yeah, folks in print maybe because the the photo is still there. But really, you get recognized more if you if you make an appearance on television. But it, but Tim L's point, like there's got to be stuff that you thought, oh, this will blow up. We'll get a big reaction from it after you write it, and then it doesn't. And, and just looking at the last four headlines of your columns, I can tell you right now, Tim Tebow and Colin Kaepernick probably got you the most response, right? No, 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 it didn't. So this is this. But is, I would think the Eiserman. I'm glad you one, brought that up because I, I was the Eiserman would not get. Much. It got a lot more. So here's, here's why. Yeah, how do you figure? Okay, that? so this is a good point. I was just actually about to bring up that column that got more email. Colin that, Kaepernick and Tim Tebow. It did. Yeah. I got more angry email about that. That did not get more subscriptions or readers. 
the Eiserman stuff got a lot more. Heck, the one today, well, that I, one, can, I can tell be, the one today is doing okay. The Tebow one is not behind the paywall, though. No, right. And that was by design because, yeah. you know, again, you get into our local people going to care about national subjects. I mean, they do. So it's about getting the subscriptions as a point, as a, as a part to um, how many people actually read it? Well, you have to figure out, are, are people going to buy, are people going to buy this? Yeah. You know, back when it was just metrics, you know, negative stuff could go viral. But with subscriptions, are people going to pay money to hate read, basically, to read something they're going to disagree with? They're sure. probably they're probably not. Probably not. Okay, but they might click on it, open it up it's, if it's for free. The Kaepernick Tebow thing—that's actually—I try to be somewhat optimistic and say, okay, can we just agree that most of us just want a, a reasonably safe place to sleep and something to eat, and that are that the people that we love in our immediate families are okay. Can we agree that we all more or less want that? And then can we go from there? And that's kind of what that column was about. And uh, some didn't like the fact that I linked Tebow and, and Kaepernick together. But today's column, which is about all that noise, that glorious noise we heard all weekend yeah. from one coast to the other, from Phil Mickelson winning the PGA to the, the Spike Lee and the, and the New York Knicks and all that crowd noise, the, the Vegas playoffs, right, with yep. the Knights. Yep. That was a sold-out arena. Just hearing that visceral fans, sort fans of are, fans bubbling. Fans are back, yeah. Yeah, and it, you can hear it through the TV, and it pulls you in and away, and you're like, oh, my God, we've, we've missed this. That's what the, today's column's about. It's kind of a pie-in-the-sky bullshit column in a way, but it's doing well. So how do you how do you know how do you know <laughs> why do you say it's a bullshit You know, column? I don't know. I like the way today's was written. I hate to even say that because it makes me sound like an arrogant cocksucker. Oh, excuse me. But uh <laughs> I'm so offended. Yeah. But I'm outraged. Uh, but you just don't know. I, I'm with you. I thought the Tebow Tebow Kaepernick might do a little bit better, but to answer your question, sorry to pull an hour here. <laughs> I think people are burned out on Kaepernick. Oh, a hundred percent. That's what I really think it was. And and Tebow doesn't. I, I've never said that. That's not an Elric. Tebow doesn't drive traffic around here like he might in the South, in where Florida. he's where he's much more of a cult a cult hero. So that's probably why. Now, a very smart person commented on Facebook and said, "At the end of the day, a good story sells every damn time. Write it well, and it works." I just don't. I don't know. If, I don't know if I buy that. You'd like I, to think that, and that was your right. wife. That was your wife, ML, by the way. I think the only time I ever uh, she all, she also wants us to get some signs. So let's ignore her for a little bit. Um, I I have never argued that a story would do well unless someone didn't want to publish it. So the notion of this story is going to sell has never been part of my equation unless somebody who wants to stop it. Will be persuaded, right? By but it. that's where we're at right now. You, what you did. Think about this. And I don't want to name any names. We've had some really good investigative reporters over the years at the Detroit Free Press. We still do. Jim Schaffner's one of them. He led the, uh, you know, led the team for a while uh, as an investigative editor. Sometimes some of those folks take six months and they do something, and it's really good to the point on the Facebook. That was that was Teresa. That was mm -hmm. a lovely Teresa to Teresa's point, but it doesn't do anything. It doesn't resonate. They spend all this time. You find you find corruption, or you find somebody that's been wronged in some way. You tell it well. You get great detail, and it falls yeah. flat. And it falls flat. No, and they, that happens. No, no, no that no, happens. No, no, that's not true. They didn't tell it well then. If that's what happened. No, but sometimes people just don't care. To Mark's point, but that's a they failure. They just don't. That's a failure of the journalist because one of the keys and Rod Maloney, who I hope we'll have on a future show, told me this. Right when I started at 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 uh, 
Channel 4, and I steal it and use it all the time. I do give Rod credit, as I just did. But he said, the most important word in every story is you. And if you forget that, not you being you yourself, but how it affects people. And if you write some six-month investigation and you don't tell people how it affects them, you're not going to get them. You, you've, you've missed the point. And if you're doing a, if you're doing a six month investigation and you can't tie it back, how it's going to affect a lot of people in your community, you're investigating the wrong thing. Or sometimes you're just writing about principle. It's it, okay. You're writing this. It's on principle, but Mike, I agree with you, but both things can be true. I agree with you, but Mark's also right. Some people love midnight run rest in peace. Charles oh, Roden. Most people do, right? It's one of the best comedies. So the tone of it's incredible, but it's not for everybody. It's subjective. And I feel the same way about these journalism stories. You can say, okay, that we can all three agree and say, that's a great story. We like the way it's told. The details are great. And three people, over here will have a completely different idea there's no getting around that well, there, there's a reason the phrase if it bleeds it leads exists i mean that's it's what people are interested in same with sex selling some some of that just just for like the old police gazette at the turn of the century like the last century not the most recent century was very grotesque and graphic and people went for that you know stephen king he's not really writing about how things affect us as human beings but that's different from journalism and and I have people who uh, are trying to encourage people to support my campaign who live outside of Detroit. And they're like, why should I care about what's going on in Detroit? You know, well, first of all, there's, you know, we want things to be better for everybody. That's that's kind of a high market argument. Sorry to interrupt. You have to tell somebody that, then we're in trouble, right? Well, uh, listen, I, I don't, you know, listen, I, I know I'm not. I'm not traveling around Mount Olympus trying to speak to the other demigods. I mean, some people need uh, they Wait a second. You said you were God. I didn't know you were a no, demi no, de anything. De a demi gloss, maybe. It's a nice little sauce. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm too old for demi more. So, but, but the, the issue is you tell me anything that's going on that, that truly is significant, not just some bullshit you thought about. Like, uh, I put my clothes on the drying line and the neighbor keeps, you know, banging their carpet and getting dust on my, my, uh, my long johns, which Mark is going to find somewhere at Michigan Gross. Stadium. But I can connect it to your life. You know, people outside Detroit say, why should I care about – if you're in the UP and you say, I don't – whatever happens in Detroit doesn't affect me. It's like, first of all, that's not true because if we don't get it right and there's another bailout, you're going to help me pay for it, Uper. If our schools tank again and the state has to come up with $600 million to set them right, everybody in Michigan gets a piece of that tab – if uh, if you don't care that demolitions in Detroit maybe putting enough effluence into the air that children in the neighborhood uh, could be harmed, uh, you say that doesn't affect you. Well, when they go into the healthcare, I mean, other than you should care about children, but uh, when they go into the healthcare system, we all pay into the healthcare system, so that's going to affect you. We are all connected, as a as a John F. Kennedy once said, we all breathe the same air. That's air. Um, but we are connected, and there is a way to connect stories. And I think if you've done a six-month investigation that nobody cares about, you have failed in presenting your findings to people because you have got to let people know how it connects you. And whenever I would do a story on public corruption, no matter what part of the state it was in, I would always emphasize that's your tax dollars that this person squandered. And one of the most effective things Jim and I did, I think, when we talked about the money that was spent to bury the text messages – was we had a simple sex, line. Sex, we had a sex, simple line in our sex. story yeah. that said that 
money would have paid for 400 police officers, 600 firefighters, knocked down 300 buildings, whatever the numbers were. And people would cite those statistics to us because they could understand those and they want more police and fire and abandoned buildings demolished. And that's how a story that seems somewhat esoteric connected back to people's everyday lives. Uh, uh, so agree. maybe I'm answering Kendall's question. No, no, I agree with you to some degree. But a story is a story. Stories. I failed in those stories to let people know how they were affected by those. Well, sure, and I fail sometimes in uh, maybe all, a lot, right, in, in, in connecting with people or figuring that out. But it's still, we, we can't pretend it's not a subjective thing, right? Well, that's why you connect it to you, because subjective, we're all you, and so you make it... Uh, you make it something about I mean, somebody. Jim and I used to argue about this all the time. We don't want to go to this rabbit hole. We need to get to the geek of the week and move on. But, uh, you know, is there objectivity? Not really. What? There's a whole other show. No, I know. Exactly. <laughs> I, but that's going, what, I, ha- I but hate that's to keep going back about. to the NFL. No, but, but that's, um, what, that's what we're talking about. And anyway, this, is, this, is, this has been fun. And uh, I'm going to go back into my hole now. It's, it's nice. It's nice to, to, to have... Uh, uh, Rip Van Windsor uh, <laughs> before the 10 pins start rolling there in, in New Amsterdam. Um, well, uh, when you come out of your hole, can oh. you do, do me a favor? Head to Lady Jane's and go get a haircut. Which hair? Uh, all of them. The ones on your shoulders, the one on your head, the hot leather uh, neck, the ones on your neck, your neck shave. Oh, what about my I'm, ear hair? I'm just hair? trying to do a terrible segue into my this ear hair. Just help me out with segueing into this monster. Okay. Well, no. I, if I had hair, I would love to go to Lady Jane's. <laughs> Thank you. They're gonna let you. Uh, they're gonna help you look and feel like a king. And right now, they have a new one in Grand Blanc on Saginaw Road, just south of Hill Road, next to AutoZone. Let one of their talented stylists give you an award-winning haircut, invigorating shampoo, hot lather, neck shave, hot towel treatment for just sixteen dollars. Don't procrastinate. Keep your hair looking its best. Get to Lady Jane's haircuts for men. Check them out online, LadyJanes.com. Find the one closest to you, and uh, including this new one in Grand Blanc, Lady Jane's. It is wicked awesome. Oh man, the geeks have inherited the earth. Did I do that? What a dork. Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek or we're turning into cool guys? Geek of the Week is brought to you by the unofficial beer of the NFL. I hate to keep going back <laughs> to Altus, but it is really good. And I will tell you, after uh, cleaning yards for seven hours under a blazing sun. Where's the bell for that, by the way? We need a <laughs> no. bell for any time he pats himself on the back. Not just Kilpatrick. Humble brags. Exactly. Oh, there you go. Oh, wrong one. Sorry. Tell us about Altus. I was waiting for the jackals to finish um, <laughs> gnawing at the carcass of what the, other amazing of the noble wildebeest, the uh, the great antelope, the uh, magnificently festooned um, whatever large noble animal there is on the veld. Uh, anyway, uh, so Altus is really good. Okay. Altus is really good, and uh, after, That's when probably it's the best day, way you could do for him. What's that? Not saying it's anything really about? good. No. Oh, it is really good. Yeah, it's very cool. And you know, Tasty. you can you can find it uh, back on tap in bars uh, across uh, southeastern Michigan and throughout Michigan. And guess what, Mark? You know where what, you what, can find where, it in a where, cooler now? Where? Oh, Meyer, right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. So that's now it's great. It's in Meyer stores. So go get yourself some Altus. If you don't oh, yeah. know where to go, you can go to Altus Beer. It's Love a Detroit it. original. It's made a comeback. The thing about Altus is it only takes. Six to make anyone a 10, or if you've been selflessly, nobly, 
generously slaving away, trying to help make things better for other people because you're a wonderful person who would make a great public servant. It really only takes one because at that point you're so, you're so wrecked by the sun that you just have a sip and you say, boy, that's really, and you pass up before you can say good. But it makes a great breakfast beer too. Altus.beer, go get you some. I love your Geek of the Week selection this week. Oh, well, can, it's a duel. It's a duel. Of course uh, you do. This is the. Uh, what do you mean? This is our uh, our our clown crown. Shit. goes to CNN and star anchor Chris Cuomo. Um, Chris Cuomo is a smart guy, and I actually uh, during is the he? pandemic would listen to his podcast on my way to briefings at uh, public safety headquarters in Detroit. He's a very smart guy. I feel like his vanity gets in the way. Then. Well, I was just going to say, if you doubt whether he's a smart guy, just ask him because yeah. he, he'll be the first to tell you, uh, yes, you're right, I am very smart. But he is a smart guy, which is why it was so stupid of this guy, who is a journalist. I mean, he's commentator, but he still has journalism in there. You are not, as a reporter, supposed to be a political advisor. You are not supposed to be part of a crisis counseling team. You are not supposed to help public officials get themselves out of hot water. Uh, it's okay to listen to them complain about it. It's okay to listen to them say, oh, my God, listen to what's happened to me. It's okay for you to say something like, eh, sounds pretty tough, you know. Um, but you are not supposed to be an advisor and I think a lot of people have been suspicious of how much help Chris Cuomo may have given to his big brother, Andrew yeah, Cuomo. Yeah, he, he had him on all the time during the COVID when he was writing his book and getting his award. But then all the other questions come up about the nursing homes and the sexual harassment. Doesn't have him on? Yeah, no. Well, basically it goes what, beyond that now, too. Basically what, what CNN said was we have a policy that says you can't have your brother on unless it's just too juicy for us to resist it. And so we're going to milk him as his pandemic hero uh, icon status uh, was in the ascension. Okay, fine. So you take, but then at the same time, um, you have got to be on him when he's falling because that's yeah. the way we work in journalism. When you're up, we report on you. When you're down, we report on you. We might not kick you when you're down, but the fact that you're going down is news. And Chris Cuomo had access to him. In fact, you know, Chris Cuomo, if I was Andrew Cuomo, I'd said, yeah, let my brother interview me because he's going to be probably a little easier on me than anybody else. But what I think is so inexcusable with CNN is people suspected something was going on. If they had just said, hey, listen, our guy is helping his brother, it wouldn't have been good, but at least it wouldn't have been a charade. It wouldn't have been a farce. It wouldn't have been a canard. It wouldn't have been a, a crime against uh, the integrity of their station's good name, which is getting a little less good uh, every, every uh, election cycle. Chris Cuomo, finally, after he had no choice because somebody exposed it, offered an air, on-air apology telling viewers, it will not happen again until the next time. It was a mistake because I got caught. I put my colleagues here, who I believe are the best in the business, after me, in a bad spot, which I'm going to be fine in. All right. So that's just not good enough. Did CNN punish him in any shape or fashion? They got rid of Rick Santorum. 
Yeah. Yeah. Right. So. For and and what he said was was ridiculous. However, what did what did he say? I honestly that, don't the, the colonists came here and made something out of a country the, where there yeah, was, there was, no, no there was nothing here. here. That's there right. Yeah. But, Incredibly ignorant. No, it's it's, it's fireable ignorant. though. Well, I don't know, but the but the point is what what Cuomo did in some ways is worse, right? It's it's not as insensitive. It's way but worse. Journalistically, it's far far worse, right? It's way worse. Absolutely. Santorum's allowed to have a stupid opinion. Rick Santorum is not a trained journalist. He's a politician yeah. who comes from, to my point of view, a, a rather ignorant uh, point on the compass. Absolutely, and that's why he's there, right? So he actually said something you'd expect him to say, and it cost him his ass. Meanwhile, Cuomo, who we're told is a journalist, who's been trained that the very thing he did is verboten, and it's the very thing that everybody suspected was happening, and they <laughs> pretended it wasn't happening, he undermined everybody's credibility at CNN he as did. if they needed any help with that. And so for that, I feel my mom is is right. This is It's too light to let him off as Absolutely. the geek of the week. But mom, that's all we got. So Chris Cuomo and CNN, who let this happen... You are our Geeks of the Week. David Hall and Hall Financial will save you a bundle of money. If you're paying more than 2% on your mortgage, what are you doing? Get on the phone. Call 248-308-5000. That's 248-308-5000. And find out how much you can save with the refi. They save you money every month because you have the lower rate. And you save a couple of payments as the paperwork is being processed. So rates, uh, they may be going up. We're hearing a lot about inflation maybe right around the corner. There's still time to save yourself a bundle and become one of those five-star reviewers who uh, are raving about the treatment they receive from Hall Financial. Go to our website to get a link to their website. And if you call Hall Financial at 248-308-5000, make sure you let them know that ML sent you. NMLS 146-74-35. And with all that money you're going to save for them, oh, uh, give our buddy Luke Nowacki pin- Pinnacle Wealth. Yeah, 248-663-4748. He's going to give you rational financial advice, what to do with your money. Uh, should you put it all in crypto? Should no. you uh, put it all in bonds? No. Should you put it all in uh, in equities and stocks? No. Luke will diversify your portfolio. Exactly. What do you do with that 401k, 529s, all those things? No one understands. Luke gets it. Get advice. Get a strategy. Call Luke Nowacki, Pinnacle Well, 248-663-4748. Because you'll make it all about you, sweetheart. <laughs> Securities and investment advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Member FINRAS.TC. Royal Alliance Associates Inc. is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Yeah. Damn. Okay, so a, a, a week or so ago, William sent us a complaint. Wrapped in a $10 bill, which is the best kind of complaint to get. And perhaps he was inspired by Adam Ant's lyric, take a treasure token, write it on a pound note. But whatever his motivation was, he said, how about some American new wave like the B-52s? Strobe light, 52 girls, Mesopotamia. Well, Billy Boy, I'm afraid those are just too well known, but we love the kids from Athens, GA. And so inspired by your inspirational donation... 
We're going with something that also talks about money. A little ditty called Legal Tender. What? (laughs) Insurrection. Awesome. Insurrection. That was awesome. Well, yeah. When did it Why hit you? not give the listeners what <laughs> they so bound? Because it was only ten bucks. He's so bound. Oh, oh, because it was only ten bucks. I think Sean was trying to prove his point that uh, you got to have the uh, the material tra- that listeners want to hear. Yeah, we just spent forty five minutes talking about trying to figure out what people want. <laughs> no, you were this just. This guy says what he wants, you and just we're not going to give him this. Saying your stuff is boring. <laughs> it's still the B fifty two. I was trying to hit the post, and I realized that this is not... That's Mesopotamia. <laughs> this is a great song, too, but... So thanks for undermining your point again. <laughs> a guy gives us money, we play legal tender. It makes sense. You have to think about it. And it's a great song.
So that was Mesopotamia by the B-50. No, damn it, it wasn't. It was legal tender by the B-52. Some good old American new wave music. The very kind of music Sean says, I will leave this show if you keep playing that American red-blooded. I love it. Oh. <laughs> I just wanted to give them what they wanted. Oh, maybe I misunderstood what you were well, saying. Did you like legal tender? I did. That's a good song. I did. I hate to keep going back to the NFL, but there's a lot of legal tender being paid out in the NFL. Oh, sorry. Thank you. Must you got it. <laughs> Must have got a, thank a, you. a text alert. Oh, no, thank it. you. <laughs> um, so anyways, we uh, we welcome all submissions to Room 7609. As you know, it should be a new wave tune. It should be from a band that everybody knows, but a tune that nobody knows. Or it should be an obscure band that somehow just just really hit that home run, but no one was in the park to watch it, either because of the pandemic or because they're Tiger fans. So... Um, so thank you, William, for both your financial support and for making me dig a little deeper in the B-52 Did he catalogs. pick this song? No. Oh, that's right. He no. wanted to mess up to But that's the problem is, is you know, everything the B-52s is really good, does is really good and really popular. And so you're like, okay, what can I find that people have never heard before that they're really going to like? And, uh, and Legal Tender just kind of shows you when you go digging in the backyard of uh, the B-52s, you're always going to hit buried treasure. Are they in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Does anybody know? Oh, that's a good question. They should be. Because they should be by now, yeah. For the wigs alone, they should be in there. I don't know if they are. Fred's outfits. That well, dude, that's, that's that a dude, good question. That dude wears polyester like nobody. It looks like they are not in the Hall of Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which is well, that's pretty unforgivable, yeah. That's okay, well, I, speaking of... Th- protests i'm going to march on cleveland um so i want to uh, thank our donors uh, william of course and uh and perhaps right now i just want to acknowledge one of our most important donors brandon who last week gave me two full garbage bags full of cans which means not only did i get the deposits on the cans but i had two garbage bags that i'm going to give you guys a minute to get ready for it that that me and my team helped to used to clean up the city of Detroit. Over That's the last awesome. Weekend when we had more than 70 volunteers out there in more than a dozen neighborhoods trying to transform the city. That's awesome. Okay. Wait, um, you did? I didn't even know you did that. Oh, yeah, there's some Motor City Makeover. Did you? Did By the you, way, I just I, saw yeah, Drew. You know what he wanted to know? What did he want to know? Are we almost done? Oh, jeez. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the first time another human being's ever asked you that. <laughs> that's probably true. Did you say, why do you want to know that? Um, that was for your reference yeah, again. Exactly. Um, As always. The ever generous Kristen this month was more generous than ever, increasing her usual contribution by 35%. So thank you very much, Kristen. Hey, I meant to say, by the way, regarding your um, your cans, did you take them to Kroger in uh, Hazel Park? Is that where you took them? Uh, I, is that Hazel Park? There was a, at, there, you, at were spot, you were spotted in, there. Uh, in, you, were in spot, uh, you were spotted there filling the machine. I hope I was spotted. I was there for like four <laughs> hours. It, it made me think maybe I should just take a job there and make more money without all the cans. <laughs> hey, say hey, whatever it takes, right? And you know what I was listening to while I loaded those cans into the machine? A podcast? The Drew and Mike show. So, Well, thank you for the support. I was, I was thinking of you and Brandon. I'm a sweetheart. And I've, I've kind of come up with a little scheme to, to feed Brandon a steady stream of Altus, or Altus, as some people call it, um, a Detroit original, in return for all these lovely, lovely cans. Because, you know, I'm unemployed, so, uh, so I really need the help. Um, uh, you can support us as well by – I do get a little money from the podcast. So why don't you buy one of our bikes? That would be a great way to support us. The pre-sale on the bike ends on May 31st, which means we're like a week away from never – Making these bikes available again, like forever. We're not going to chicken out and make them available 
into the first week of June, unless somebody calls us and says, Hey, I got a check coming on June 1st. Can you hold the window open for maybe we'll do it for that person, but everybody else screw you get it by May 31st or you can forget it. Uh, we also have hoodies and all kinds of good stuff at drew and Mike store.com. Uh, lots of feedback. We're going to try and go really quickly because, uh, because we're running long and I have to go meet some senior citizens who I hope will support the old ML for Detroit campaign. Dave writes, great show. Absolute pleasure listening to the stories uh, from Mr. Kevin Dietz. Great guest, interesting conversation. And then there's Sean, the real comedian of the show. <laughs> Love him. He's the best. So See? Dave's Sean, the best. Dave's the best. Sean's like, what Sean, I was saying? Sean's, Sean's back in his phone again. Sean's no, no, like, I'm looking like over the teenager. Run, I'm, no, I'm looking over the rundown. I'm oh, okay. Sean's, see how much you embellish. Sean's, <laughs> Sean's just... Uh, yeah, I'm just curious. Sorry, I wasn't next to the microphone. He's still basking in the afterglow of the switcheroo on the B-52s. That was fun. Uh, so. He was very proud of that. That was very fun. Uh, Michelle Gushes, love the pod. Can you consider chatting about the UAD Mercy Athletic Department and women's basketball coach? I don't understand how either of them have kept their job, meaning the coach and the, the AD. Um, also, if Keith, a- Keith Appling comes up, can you speak to his high school reputation and recruitment? What was the timeline of his commitment to MSU and which colleges were finalists? I suspect it's well known that he had issues in high school. Great question. As he was accused of rape at his literal freshman dorm orientation. First couple days on campus, what else was covered up during his four years at EL? I'm guessing a heck of a lot. And I say that as an MSU alum, husband is an MSU alum, and one of our sons just graduated from what only MSU alums would know is actually pronounced the Broad School of Business. And then she says, best of luck in August, Mike. I hope you keep the podcast going after you're elected and give us all insider insights into city politics. I'm going to turn this one over to Sean because uh, Sean and I talked about Appling way back when, when this incident happened at Michigan State. But what do you know about his recruitment and his uh, his pre-Michigan State basketball career? Well, he was a – I'm trying to remember if he was a high school All-American. Yeah, or he not. was. He, he was a McDonald's All-American. Yeah, McDonald's All-American. Basketball, 49 points yeah, in the and there, state championship. There were plenty of schools that were that – Mr. Were, basketball, Michigan were, or Indiana or – Michigan. 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 He's from yeah. He's from, yeah, he's Detroit. from Detroit. Is he from Detroit? Sorry. I, yeah. Yeah. So he no. He was highly. He was highly regarded. And um, as far as whatever what else happened at, at Michigan State, I know. Here's here's this is a tricky one, right? Because what happened wasn't enough, according to the prosecutor of Ingham County, to uh, to bring charges against Keith Appling and also. Is Adrian Payne's name? Came, is, oh yeah, that's yeah, pretty they, well out that's there. That's come out. And, and of course, I just said it on a podcast. Which, and for those that don't know, the prosecutor went hard at that case. He really pushed he it. he did. And Adrian Payne, by the way, lost his when when the uh, I'm trying to remember what broke a few years ago that cost him his job at the Orlando Magic. It was well, uh, I don't know. It w- wasn't that case per se. God, I wish interesting thing the about details. the the Appling Payne situation. You know where the girl got drunk um at orientation allegedly and then they played basketball like nerf hoop and then well, this rape happened is that ambling never talked to the police but adrian Payne did mm-hmm. and Payne said i stopped but he wanted to keep going which is really interesting and Payne became kind of a uh, uh a a heartwarming story when he yeah. adopted uh i don't mean adopted but befriended a, a little yeah. girl who was dying of cancer i mean he and he had kind of didn't he have like just a miserable upbringing story where he had a hard luck uh, childhood and had become sort of a uh, uh, a very heartwarming figure and and it all fell. I think I think what happened was I think the Orlando Magic thing fell apart after ESPN started you know blitzing the hell out of 
Michigan State while they ignored Ohio State and, uh, With, and another university. During the Nasser stuff. And, on and, US 23. Uh, during the Nasser yes. stuff. And Payne's name surfaced in that time regarding this incident yeah. back. Pretty easy to get rid of a guy, too, yeah. when he's not playing that much with the magic right right exactly and so those two names were protect not protected but they weren't because the policy of the media back then and i don't know that that's changed at least with us is if you're not charged in a sexual assault case then you you're they don't you know they don't use your name right i I think i think uh so their names question is was he known to be a bad actor in high school i mean should east lansing should michigan state have been on guard for this i don't know if they knew i i don't think they knew that um, but they obviously knew. I, I, I do know this. They knew that he lacked um, a lot of basic day-to-day skills on how to be a human being, how to have certain kind of conversations, Maturity. looking somebody, looking somebody in the eye. Yes, just he had um, immaturity, or he had some undiagnosed. Uh, I don't know if it was that necessarily, but but I can remember having conversations with the staff up there over the years about how they had to. We're, we're, try to teach him and guide him just to, on things that a lot of other folks would just take for granted. Were either one of them punished in any shape or fashion for that? Uh, I can't remember. I, I think they sat a few games. Yeah, they, after they this broke, but right. then they got, and then I think it got late in the season, and Izzo's like, "Hey, get out there! What are you doing?" That's well, interesting. The, to, I, I mean, it's easy to hide behind not maybe not hide behind, but it's easier to make a decision. Yeah, when the prosecutor says we're not going to press charges. Well, back but then, that's if, the same thing if that you happened, remember, that was the same the, thing that happened to Sandusky. You know? Right, but that was the culture back then, right? So schools would not boot students with accusations. They had to have charges. That changed, right? Mm-hmm. Because, shoot, with Mark D'Antonio, by the time, uh, I'm trying to remember the, um, oh, well, the Donnie, uh, Donnie, um, Corley. Donnie Corley and that group, those guys were were suspended from the team as soon as they were accused. When was the Dear Colleague, right? the infamous Title IX Dear Colleague letter with, um, you know, how campuses were going to have to react to these kind of claims right i mean that was that was a big turning point it this was, was this was before that That was and so that changed that changed everything now if it happens there's no way appling and pain would survive now especially right? with appling or with uh pain's testimony well, not testimony but you know mission it, it, yeah. So the, yeah the bigger question is why that why the prosecutor didn't feel uh, maybe maybe it was a, a not a political decision but maybe just sort of a well, it, a, a, a legal decision in the sense, well, I don't know that I'm going to get a conviction here, right? Sure. So, when we have the hindsight now of Appling being arrested four times, now now for murder, right? you know, of a family member, I think the question is, well, what else happened at Michigan State, if anything, after the incident his freshman year? I never really heard anything other than just this, their struggle to try to get him through uh, day-to-day, just kind of navigate him through life. And, and you got to remember, too, back then – the coaches, and it wasn't just at Michigan State, coaches, they wanted to air. And you could argue cynically that it was all because of the talent, and there's some truth to that. Of course. But there was also uh, some of those guys do have a duty or sense of duty, obligation. If I'm going to build my career on the talents of these folks, many of whom were coming from really tough backgrounds, then I'm going to give them every opportunity I can to, to help them and give them second chances, third chances, all that. that was, that's been pretty common in college sports for a long, long time. Um, although that's changing too now, well, there, so there, there is something with Appling that, uh, and and so we, I guess the short answer, we don't know what else he may have gotten into at Michigan State. Certainly, not much made the public record, but his transgressions after graduating from Michigan State 
have been violent, yeah. you know, um, uh, a gun at a strip club, you know, but, uh, being accused of murdering a relative, you know, that's a, that's an evolution. So I, 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 I think, uh, we would have caught wind of him shooting somebody at Michigan state. He, did, he didn't trust anyone that would have not escaped attention. Sure. That was another big issue he had at Michigan state was behind the scenes, but, uh, he, he didn't trust anybody and they struggled to work with that. Right. Not even his teammates in a lot of ways. Right. You just, when you come up maybe that way, you just the way you look at the world. It's a very, um, it's a very harsh, harsh way to look at the world. I, right? I, I was just amazed to looking at um, his basketball career afterwards, and he played in Europe and he played in in Mexico. He, he had a short stint with the Lakers, and, I want to say. Uh, yeah, for for a little while, he played in the G League. Uh, was it the league? It might have been Orlando. <laughs> I think it was both. <laughs> um, but yet he keeps coming back to where a lot of the problems were, which is Detroit and where he's from. He's, I, he's coming home. He sounds like a guy who doesn't feel comfortable a lot of places. Sounds so like he, he never grew up. Uh, could be. Um, yeah, it might be a little more deeper than that, but yeah. Sure. So so this kind of it brings me is. back to stories that, that never really took off. Um, and and we talked about Nasser and, and some of the ESPN stuff. You know, where's all the outrage um, with Jim Jordan, the congressman who may or may not have known about uh, the wrestling coach uh, abusing wrestlers. Where, where's all the outrage over Dr. Anderson? In, it, it's in out there. I, it's I know because there. of COVID, you know, it's it's tough for students to get together in March and things like that. But it does feel like some as as we're seeing these incidents at universities all over the country, which doesn't diminish in any way what happened at Michigan State. Do not do not misinterpret what I'm saying. But it does seem like as these become more prevalent. The outrage has dissipated. Well, the circumstances are a little bit different too. It's funny. I was on Graham Couch's show up in East Lansing uh, last week, Ooh, and he said, hey, "He said that the the it's we talked about all the like Detroit, you said it's a shitty show, but go ahead. Yeah, Detroit, Detroit <laughs> sports Couch. and so forth. Graham but Couch. at the end of it, he had a question. He said, "I want to ask you something. It's been the hottest topic up, but not the was hot, it a burning couch question? I shouldn't say the hottest topic, but, but the Michigan State fans were just really, really frustrated with what they saw as the lack of coverage with Dr. Anderson. This is according to Graham and his listeners up there and his sense of that community, but not just the coverage, but to, to your point, Mike, the outrage." And um, and I'll tell you all what I told him. Because Adam Schechter went to Michigan, that's why. If I can do that, I mean, the, the circumstances are just really, really different. The the principles are are gone, right? Yeah, the, that the, the people that the people that made the the worst decisions. I mean, okay, Anderson made the worst decisions by assaulting all those all those folks. After that, Don Canham, the athletic yeah. director, mm-hmm. oh. accepted him into the athletic department. Yeah. From the University after Hospital UH, yeah. after all those complaints. The school president, the school board, they all knew about it, right? Or at least some of them knew about it. Mm-hmm. And that was just, and all of those people are gone. They're all gone, including Bo Schembechler. And there's no definitive proof that he knew, although there have been allegations that he knew. And he said, go talk to, to Canham with the one, I can't remember the, the, the fella's name. But that's part of it, right? Yeah. Nobody's around. And, there's no, and as I told Graham, there's no definitive proof Schembechler knew. Even though it's hard to believe he did not. Here's the other thing, too. Um, how often do you hear, well, if I was that athlete, I would have punched Anderson in the face and kicked his ass because you're older, you're an athlete, as opposed to a – and I know Michigan State had their athletes, too, but a lot of the Nasser stuff was was younger kids. Right, right. And, and girls. Because a lot, and a lot of folks that think that are forgetting the power dynamic Certainly. Right, of a doctor, right? Especially in that era. 
Certainly. And how much control well, they had. And not, uh, not to I'd, e- I'd be surprised if Bo didn't know. I'd be shocked. I would too. And I'd be surprised if he actually back then did something to tell but, you the truth because of how it was back then. It's unforgivable, but I, you know. But one of the one of the power I, dynamics that I think is a common denominator in all these cases is that you had people who could take away something you'd worked for your whole life, a shot at the Olympics, a right. scholarship spot on a on a on a not particularly good nationally recognized football team that could never win the Rose Bowl or a national championship. Well, the, I mean, these are prized good spots. Sorry. But it's not just that, Mike. If if you think the doctor's connected with your coach yeah, and well, you're exactly. throwing a fit, the, exactly, you think, okay, how is the coach going to see you? You're going to play. You're gonna, I mean, it's just that's the power dynamic. Yeah. I do feel like they're – And they're 19. I do feel like there's lots of outrage about Dr. Anderson. Maybe, maybe that's because of the side I sit on and being at Michigan – was there more coverage of Nasser? A hundred percent. But that also extended to USA Gymnastics. We exactly that was a slow building store too, and we've covered. And, and the victims spoke. I've right? written three columns about this, including the last one where I sort of talked about Schembechler and and his legacy and so forth, and it got a little blowback from that. But but uh, the Free Press has done several stories about this. But it just, getting back to the original premise of this, show, not the premise, but the, the the question of this show, it just didn't register. Well, and that's, that's a that's a great story where we thought it would. It did some, but it did not like we thought it would. I think Doctor Anderson is similar to Richard Strauss, the doctor at Ohio State, and that whole story and that cover up. I think varies because most of the principals are dead. Right, they're male athletes. Uh, it just well, and know, I think it doesn't make. I don't. I don't like saying which one is worse, and because that they're all fucking terrible. Let's be clear: if you've abused one person, you're horrible. You don't have to abuse. Sure hundreds of people of any gender, age, or class over any number of years. We don't condone any of that. You all are horrible. But, but it's not just the ma- I, I actually it's not think- about how it's consumed by, by the public I'm, and the outrage. I think that's why. I wrote a column early on with the NASA coverage. I did not think that resonated like it should have compared to Penn State. And I argued that it was because we, were, uh, we didn't care about girls in the same way we do about boys. Well, football. And we're because of the the homosexual nature of what happened at Penn State, and it was first, right? And it was first, maybe first, but I I still think yeah, we're just the, the idea that it was girls versus boys. And anyway, that's a whole another conversation. But but yeah, you're right. There are degrees to this, and um, this this just is not registered for lots of reasons in the in the same way. So uh, to your so, question, Mike. Yeah, there you go, Michelle. Um, uh, <laughs> Chloe. Queried from West Village, what is the city going to do with that $879 million in COVID relief from the feds? I pray it doesn't just vanish in 24 months with nothing to show for it. Praying you win in primary August. I hope that's uh, a lot of prayers. I hope all those prayers are answered. Um, actually, the mayor has, uh, Mayor Mike Duggan, has started doing sort of a listening tour where he's going to meet with people throughout the city to find out what their priorities are and how they'd like to see the money spent. Of course, the money's going to have some strings attached to it. So the city is working out um, what are as the, we speak how to do that. Do you know? Do you have any idea what those strings are, or does it just have to be related to COVID? I mean, I feel like there's a lot of loopholes there. Oh yeah, no. So I don't know specifically what the strings are, but there's all kinds of ways to do things like that. If uh, if the city spends ten million dollars on demolition and the eight hundred and seventy nine um, million dollars says. Uh, uh, you can't use it. For, well, that's a bad example. Let, let's say, let's say the eight hundred seventy-nine million dollars you can use for demolition. The city's spending ten million dollars on demolition. The city wants to spend ten million dollars on new fire hydrants, 
and the 879 million says you can't spend on new fire hydrants. I imagine you could just move the demolition money over to fire hydrants and then yeah. fill in the gap with some of the 879 million dollars. So there's there's all sorts of ways to uh, to 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 do this uh, if you have the if you have the wherewithal to do it. But uh, but we're going to be finding out more about that, Chloe. And I have a couple ideas I'd like to see that money um, used for. But I'm going to see what people are telling the mayor first before I roll mine up because frankly uh, some of this money may require matching money. Uh, some of this money may be earmarked for specific areas. I don't know enough about it yet. Nobody really is talking about those things yet, but we are going to be finding those things out in the days ahead. So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, just want to toss things ahead um, on, uh, on Sunday, which was uh, last weekend. I spent some time with my union brothers and sisters at the IBEW uh, putting together uh, care packages and serving the homeless at Cass Park, which is across the street from Masonic Temple in Detroit. They have been doing this for 10 years. They provide socks, toiletries, groceries they can take home, hot meals they can have right there. They do this the second and fourth Sunday of every month. If you would like to donate toiletries, to help these folks, help people who really need to to get a boost, you can drop that off at the Union Hall, which I believe is at 1358 Abbott in Corktown. Just the toiletries. If you want to drop those off, it'd be much appreciated. In the future, I'm hoping to put together a bunch of people to go and help serve. So if you're interested in that, keep listening to the show. We'll let you know how you can get involved. It's a great thing, and IBEW has been doing this for 10 years along with the Wobblies, the old IWW. If you don't know who they are, look them up. It's a great story. So uh, thank you for what, for what you're doing, uh, everybody, uh, for 10 years. And people really don't know about this. It's incredible. Um, I was going to give you a campaign update and a shameless appeal for donations, but uh, these two guys are ringing bells. Oh, I'd love to hear it. Sean does it. All, all your prayers will be answered if you go to, to ml4detroit.com. <laughs> I'm sorry. What was the website? I talked over it. ml4detroit.com. You can also follow us at ml4detroit <laughs> on social media where you'll see lots of pictures of. Of you walking and cleaning up? and No, of other people suntan. cleaning oh. up. Oh. All the wonderful volunteers. Oh, would you delegate? Have. I'm just kidding. Did can you, you see the hideousness you? of your foot on there? You know, I, I didn't. I didn't return that chainsaw yet, so you may want to mind your manners for a little little longer. Yes, yes, um, sir. I was going to ask what Sean's up to, but I know what he's up to. He's trying to sell subscriptions to the free press. Ah! Yeah, <laughs> among other things. But apparently his uh, his uninteresting and boring <laughs> writing may be an impediment. And I only know that because he told me himself. <laughs> it is an impediment. So, so what you have here is a study in immodesty and modesty. <laughs> You got Sean the Yin, and I'm full of Yang, and that, <laughs> yeah, that that's probably enough for one week. So, uh, but if it's not, you know, check out Charlie the Duff's No BS News Hour or the Drew and Mike podcast here on the Red Shovel Network. And until next time, uh, we're grateful for our friend Cyrus, who did not show up for the cleanup or to help the forgotten worker, but he's here to help take us out. Can you dig that? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? If I can leave you with one thought. It's this, nothing and everything is possible. MLL Rick, awesome.